Welcome to Leading Lights. You're about to hear a message from Lighthouse Church. Hello again. We're talking about your work is worship. We've become accustomed to a wrong separation. We think worship happens in special spaces and certain times and in weird cloistered little events. And then the rest of our week, we think, is secular work that is not holy. And if you're a believer, you think, I'm just going to try and hold my breath until I can come up in worship and uh, then get a breath of worship. And then I've got to struggle again for the rest of the week. And we are showing in this series of sermons that the Bible says that your whole life is worship. Whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do it all to the glory of God. The Bible says always give yourself fully to the work of the Lord. It says to servants and, and workers, work as if to the Lord, not to men. And so we're looking at how can my work be worship? You know, you have gifts and abilities. There are things that God has put within you and experiences and things you've learned and opportunities before you that you can use to do great things. And just because you may be in an office or in a hospital or in a school or at home looking after family members or whatever it is you do, just because you're outside of church doesn't mean you're not worshiping the Lord. You can worship the Lord fully and God is there with you and God can use your work and he can anoint you powerfully to do great things for him. So I'm going to look at a parable in Luke chapter 19. And it helps us to understand Jesus's attitude to us and work. He says in verse 11, Now as they heard these things, he spoke another parable because he was near Jerusalem, because, and because they thought the kingdom of God would appear immediately. Jesus was on his way to Jerusalem. He was in Jericho. He just met Zacchaeus, a tax collector, who had climbed a tree to see him, and then had become a follower very quickly and dramatically. And the rest of the population thought Zacchaeus and all tax collectors were evil people, but Zacchaeus turned to the Lord. He says, I'm going to give away half of my money. And if I've wronged anyone, I'll repay them fourfold. Uh, amazing things happen. And Jesus then tells this parable because he's on his way to Jerusalem and he's been warning them the end is coming. And they think this means God is going to take control immediately within the next few days. And Everything will be put right. There'll be a righteous king. There'll be no more unrighteous government. Uh, God's blessing will come. They thought the thousand years of peace was about to come on earth. And Jesus was trying to show them that there's going to be a period when he's gone away, but he wants them to work for him, work for him. Do business is what he says. And I want to say to you, if you are in business or if you're working at home or looking after family, whatever it is you do, God wants you to listen to this parable. So he said, a certain nobleman went into a far country to receive for himself a kingdom and to return. He's obviously talking about himself. He's going away to receive a kingdom and he will return later. 
So he called 10 of his servants, delivered to them 10 miners and said to them, do business till I come. Listen to that, my dear friend. If you're a believer, Jesus says to you, not just to the priest or the pastor or the minister, Jesus says to you and I, to every Christian, do business till I come. And it's not just business for me or for my employer, but actually I'm working for God. Even if I'm working in an office, I'm working for God. Do business till I come. Now, this parable talks about 10 miners, 10 servants and 10 miners. He told a very similar parable about talents. Uh, three servants, one gets five talents, one gets two talents, one gets one talent. They're not the same parable, but there are very many similarities between the two. But this is a different parable. A talent was worth 20 years worth of pay. So a, a huge amount of money in the other parable. A mina or a miner was worth two or three months worth of pay. So it was still quite a large amount of money, but it was much smaller. And in this parable, he chooses 10 servants and he gives each of them one of his miners, his uh, amounts of money. Verse 14, but his citizens hated him and sent a delegation after him saying, we will not have this man to reign over us. And so it was that when he returned, having received the kingdom, imagine that day, Jesus comes with a trumpet, with a shout, the heavens are rent open. All those who have died in the Lord go up to meet him. He's coming back. When, the, when, he when he came back, having received the kingdom, he commanded these servants to whom he had given the money to be called to him, that he might know how much every man had gained by trading. Recently, there was a story about a lady in America who started with a hairpin and she traded it on the internet and with people. She traded the hairpin for something and then she traded that for something else. And eventually she got a house in the space of a few years. She traded from a hairpin to a house. And there are other stories like that. And that is a picture of industriousness, entrepreneurship, uh, diligence and cleverness to say, what do I have and how can I maximize it? And this parable shows that when Jesus comes back, he is going to ask you and me, what have you done with what I gave you? Verse 16, then came the first saying, Master, your miner has earned 10 miners. That's brilliant. And he said to him, well done, good servant, because you were faithful in a very little, have authority over 10 cities. And the second came saying, Master, your miner has earned five miners. Likewise, he said to him, you also be over five cities. Can you see that in this parable, the amount that I've gained or that I've developed what I had uh, determines the size of the reward that I'm going to get. But there was a third one, verse 20. Another came saying, Master, here is your miner, which I have kept uh, put away in a handkerchief. Uh, in the other parable of the talents, he buries it. But it's a similar principle. One of the people through fear, through misunderstanding of God's character, through comparing themselves to others, whatever reason, they did nothing with what they were given. Verse 21, for I feared you because you are an austere man. You collect what you did not deposit and reap what you did not sow. And he said to him, out of your own mouth, I will judge you, you wicked servant. You knew that I was an austere man, collecting what I did not deposit, reaping what I did not sow. Why then did you not put my money in the bank that at my, my coming I might have collected it with interest? 
And he said to those who stood by, take the miner from him and give it to him who has 10 miners. And then he goes on to say, he who has will be given more. He who does not have even what he has will be taken away. Um, but this man who buried or hid his treasure does not go to eternal damnation. In the other parable, the parable of the talent, talents, the one who does nothing is separated from God forever. But in this one, he is not. Only those who were not his servants, the ones who rejected his kingship, are uh, condemned or, or sent away forever. So what are we going to learn from this? I want to go through the word work time, W-O-R-K-T-I-M-E. And I want to show you that you have been given a minor, something from God. And it's different to what other people have been given. Before I get there, let me just say the difference between the two parables. In the parable of the talents, the three servants are given different amounts of money. One is given five talents. If you think about a talent being 20 years worth of wages, you'll understand that five talents is a huge, huge, huge amount of money. The other one's given two talents. And even the one who's given one talent has a lot given to them by the Lord. They're given different amounts, but the one who gets five makes another five and he gets a reward. The, the master says, well done, good and faithful servant. You've been faithful with little. Come and share your master's happiness. The one who has two talents makes another two and he gets exactly the same reward. He doesn't get a higher reward or a lower reward. He gets the same reward because he's used what he had to the same capacity. He's taken two and made another two. The one who had five has made another five, and the one who had one hid it and was condemned. In this parable, everyone is given the same, and the ones who gain more benefit more. The ones who gain less benefit less, but they are all saved. They, it's just talking not about salvation, but about rewards that we can gain. Someone has said that God has given us salvation, a, a clean white set of clothes. But what we do with it is our gift back to him. And this is what this parable is all about. It's not talking about getting saved by doing good works. It's saying, now that I am forgiven and saved and loved by God, what will I give back to him to please him, to honor him, to show him how great he is? And so I just want to encourage you not to think that you're getting saved by being good or by doing good. This is extra to our salvation. So work time, it's business time. He says here, do business until I come. You have been asked by the Lord to do business. W stands for words, and that's this parable. Every time we hear the word of the Lord, we are given a minor, a piece of wealth, a piece of money, a blessing from God that he says, use for my glory. Every time you hear a sermon, read the Bible, Get God's words. It's a deposit of God's power and his potential for you to do something great. God's words are not just a stick to, to hit you with to say, don't do wrong. God's words contain power and life and potential. And they say to you, this is what God wants, but he also gives you the ability to do it. You know, in the Old Testament, because Jesus hadn't come yet and because God's spirit couldn't renew people's spirits, it was rules from the outside that people tried their best to obey. But in the New Testament, Philippians 2 says that God has now put within us the desire 
and the power to do what pleases Him. And it's so different. He's put within us something that is powerful and the ability to want to please Him. And that comes from His words. So W stands for His words. Every time He gives you His word, it is an entrusted treasure and we have a responsibility. He says, what are you going to do with my mind? Are you going to bury it or are you going to use it? And even today's parable, I want to challenge you and I challenge myself. What am I going to do with God's word? O stands for opportunities. You know, God has given you opportunities that no one else has. There are people around you that you know that are opportunities for you to do things for the Lord. There are open doors. There are areas of favor or, or just chances that you have. And the Bible speaks of us being aware of that. In the Old Testament, it says the sons of Issachar had wisdom to see the, the signs of the times and to know what they needed to do. And that's what we need to do. We need to be looking around for opportunities, say, I could do something here, maybe business-wise, maybe for God, but God is always looking at opportunities and he's giving me opportunities. In the book of Revelation, he speaks to the churches and he says to the one church, see, I've opened a door that no one can shut. And God gives you opportunities. We just have to have our eyes open. A good businessman, a good entrepreneur is looking for opportunities and seeing when something could be done. Can I challenge you? Are you looking around for opportunities to use what God has given you for his glory? W, his words, O, opportunities from God. R stands for relationships. You know, the people that God has linked you with, the people you're friends with, the people maybe you went to school or college with, your family members, your workmates, your social circle, whatever it is, the relationships you have are opportunities that God wants you to use, not to abuse people, but he has put those relationships there. He, he links us with people so that we can do things for him. Look at the people around you and say, how can I do something great, either business-wise or for the Lord or both, so that I can use these relationships to further God's kingdom? I don't believe it's a mistake that you know the people you know, that God has given you those relationships and that favor with people. K stands for kingdom authority. And this is a big one. You know, in Luke chapter 10, Jesus sent out 70 disciples. He only had 120 very close disciples because that was the number that was there in the upper room after he rose again on the day of Pentecost. There were only 120. So 70 is the majority of those, not just the 12 super special apostles, but 70 of his normal followers. He sent them out and he gave them authority. They were to speak and say the kingdom of heaven is near you and they were to heal and to bring God's peace and his kingdom and his forgiveness. And you have that. You say, I'm not sure I have that. Don't I need a degree or, or to be ordained or, or a special tingling feeling? God's word says he has given you authority. Matthew 28, the Great Commission. Jesus says, all authority has been given to me. Therefore, you go. You say to me, yes, but he was talking just to the 12 disciples when he said that. No, he said, teach others to obey everything I've commanded you. In other words, whatever Jesus commanded the 12, he's telling them to teach others to obey. 
And that means we have that authority and that commission, kingdom authority. Do you remember when Peter and John were walking to the temple, they saw a man who was paralyzed. He's asking for money. At that time, Peter had no money. He said, tapping his pockets, I don't have any money, but I do have something in the name of Jesus. Rise up and walk. It's kingdom authority. God has given you the ability to speak and to pray. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Bringing God's will and rule and reign wherever we go through prayer, through actions. He's given you that. What are you doing with that, my dear friend? Are you speaking to situations, to sicknesses, to lack, to business opportunities? Are you speaking God's word and praying God's word? and using the authority that he has given you. That's one of the minors that he's given you, the pieces of money. Words, opportunities, relationships, kingdom authority. T stands for talents. And we've used this word talent. It's originally a money term in the Bible, but we've used it to mean our gifts and abilities. And that is true. God has given you a gift mix. There are gifts that you have. There are abilities you have, your personality, your physical makeup, the way God has knit you together. I've written a book called Poema, which I would encourage you to get, which helps you to understand. It's called Discover How God Has Put You Together. And this is all about your talents and your abilities. And God has given those to you. Some of you can do accounting and others just that is gibberish to them. Use what God has given you. Don't look at somebody else and say, I want to be like them because God has made you special, unique. He's got a plan for you. I've got to look at myself and say, how has God put me together? How has he wired me? What can I do with what God has given me? You know, the master came to the servants. He says, so I gave you a piece of money. What have you done with it? The one servant said, look, I've made 10 more out of it. You know, in the gift of the talents, in the parable of the talents, the person who only had one talent hid their talent because I think they were comparing themselves to the person who had two or the person who had five. And yet the person who had two was not comparing himself. He was saying, I'm just going to do the best with what I have. I'm not going to be proud because I've got two and that person only has one. I'm not going to rest on my laurels thinking I'm better than others. Likewise, I'm not going to think I'm worse than others because that person has five and I only have two. No, I'm going to see what God has given me and I'm going to use it to the best of my ability. Friend, what has God given you? What are the talents that God has given you? I, in this word work time, I stands for your interests, your passion, your desires. I've already quoted Philippians 2 verse 13, where it says that God has put within you the desire and the power to do what pleases him. God has put interests and desires and passions within you. And we've got to say, Lord, why am I interested in mathematics or sewing or art or music or whatever it is? Lord, why have you put these interests within me? Maybe they are a piece of money, a minor, a gift from the Lord that he says, do business until I come. You say, but I'm interested in this strange thing that nobody else seems to be interested in. How can I do business with that? God has put you where you are for a reason. And he's given you those interests and those desires and those passions. Look for ways to use them. 
And then M stands for money and E stands for experience. Let me just talk about experience quickly. You know, everything that you've been through and everything you've learnt and the family you were brought up in and the country you were in and the work places that you've served in, all of those experiences, both good and bad, God wants to use those for His glory. Romans 8 says that God works all things together for good to those who love Him and who are called according to His purposes. And that means all of your past experiences, He wants to use them. 2 Corinthians 1 says, We comfort others with the comfort we ourselves have received from God. And when you've been through something, God has given you experience to help somebody else. That's a minor that He says, do business with this. Think about what you've been through and don't just brush it into the past under the carpet and say, that's gone and forgotten. Say, how can I use what I've been through for God's glory? And then money was, it was the M in this word work time. Money is something that is a measure of all the hours you put into your work, all the hours you put into preparing yourself through study to be able to get the job you do. All the passion, all the energy, all those late nights, all that work you put in. You know, there are 168 hours in a week. You probably spend two, three, four or five hours a week in church meetings. But what about all those other hours? A lot of that time is spent in a workplace. Or if you don't have a job, you're working at home or you're volunteering or you're helping family members. That is something that you put yourself into and money is the measure that we get, the, the reward we get for all of that work. And God says that we should honor Him with our money because when we earn, it, it's part of what He's given us to be able to use for His glory. Now, in the parable, two of the servants used what they had been given and they multiplied it. God wants us to multiply our money, to make the most of it to invest wisely, to use it wisely, to trade, but then to use it by giving to His kingdom for His glory. It's not just for us to build our wealth and become more and more rich. It's for us to build into His kingdom. In Luke 16, Jesus tells a parable about a, a man who's managing a business and then he loses his job and he's just got maybe a month's notice before he has to leave. And he uses that short time to make relationships with the suppliers um, that his business had bought things from and make deals with them so that after he loses his job, he's got friends. And Jesus says, use money, unrighteous mammon, use your money to make friends in heaven so that when you fail, in other words, when you die, you will have invested in heaven. Friend, your money can be so, so valuable if you invest it for eternity. If we only invest here on earth, it has some value, but it's gone the minute you die or the minute there is a run on the banks or inflation or moth and rust and thieves come in and take it away. Money on earth is temporary, but we can invest forever. Some people have said tithing is an Old Testament idea, so I'm not going to tithe. I'm just going to give when I feel like it. But I just want to briefly mention this here, that every single righteous rule in the Old Testament, and I say righteous rule because there are ceremonial rules, there were just social laws of the land, 
but then there were righteous requirements in the Old Testament laws. And it's easy to tell which they are because they pull all the way through into the New Testament and they are repeated there. But generosity is one of the righteous rules in the Old Testament, similar to thou shalt not murder, thou shalt not steal, uh, all these different things in the Old Testament. Those are righteous rules. In the New Testament, those rules are stripped of their curse element. In the Old Testament, if you didn't do them, there was a curse that came from God. In the New Testament, the curse is taken away. Galatians 3 says Jesus has redeemed us from the curse of the law. The, the curse side of it, in other words, you'll be, you'll be punished if you don't do it. That is taken away. But the idea that God still wants you to do it is still there in the New Testament. He still doesn't want us to murder. In fact, he says, go even further and don't even hate. He still wants us to worship, but instead of just on a Sunday, he says now in the New Testament, your whole life is a Sabbath rest. He still wants us to be generous, like in the Old Testament, but he says, not just 10%, Zacchaeus gave half of everything he had. In Acts 2, they sold everything they had. In 2 Corinthians 8, they gave beyond and beyond their ability and even begged to be able to give more. In the New Testament, the curse is taken away, but the idea of being generous and doing all the other righteous requirements of the Old Testament is increased because it comes from within us. We now want to serve God. So my friend, it's work time. Do business until he comes. Your work is worship. It's beautiful. It's important. You work for Jesus, not for your boss. And he wants to bless you so that you can be a blessing. God bless you. Thanks for listening. Please visit leadinglightsnetwork.com for more resources and subscribe to our podcast on iTunes. Please consider supporting this ministry by making a donation on the giving page at leadinglightsnetwork.com or lighthousejersey.com.